Good evening, everyone. Glad you can join us tonight. Um, couple things. I, I, we got to we got to wait and let the people come in. Um, I uh, I want to do a couple things tonight to get kind of some things out of the way, and then we'll get into our guest this evening, Deanna uh, Lazinski from uh, North Dakota. That's a cold place to be. I'm telling you, when you got to dig water lines nine feet deep so they don't freeze. That's cold, and that's I, th I think they're set maybe seven feet deep. But anyway, we'll get to the end in just a, in just a few minutes here. Um, I wanna I I wanna I wanna reflect on Dave Grant again. Um, last week I I kind of had this in my mind how I wanted it to go down, and I totally flubbed it up. I was just telling Deanna that, so I'll just share it with you folks tonight. I wanted to have a moment of silence last week, and I forgot to do that. And we're going to do that right now. I, I want to just be quiet for a few moments, reflect on Dave, what he meant to you in your life. Um, and we're going to just remember him and his family. So let's just have a, a few moments here. Dave was a Dave was a great man and he touched so many lives. So thank you, Dave, for everything that you did. The second thing I want to get out of the way is I don't thank uh, the people around me enough. And and I want to thank my daughter, Rachel. Uh, she keeps everything organized for me. She did a great job last week. We, we opened it up. Uh, we did it and we may do this more often because people were polite. Raise your hand. We can unmute you. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. I don't know if we'll do it tonight or not. We'll see. Uh, but Rachel, thanks for everything. Uh, you keep me organized in my daily life. I appreciate that. My wife Carol, thank you for the support. Uh, Eric, thanks for for being here for your just your your strength, your body, yourself, just being here. Um, it's it's a great thing. My my nephew Aaron is here, so. Um, it takes it takes a village, people, and you can't do this by yourself. And if you think you can, you're 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 in for a rude awakening. So um, enough of that. Um, giddy up, let's go. We've got Deanna Lazinski with us tonight. Deanna, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for me on. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. I'm glad you could join us. Um, I'm going to ask you the same thing I ask everyone. What is on your mind right now, Deanna? Oh, wow. We are um, still plugging away at the acres, um, trying to finish up getting seated. And it's it's been a challenge, you know. Um, we're at the position now where it's just kind of like June wheat is getting to be looking less and less appealing as far as uh, productivity-wise. And um, it's a tough spot to be in. But yeah. if the fields are fit, we'll go ahead and seed them. And I have a little bit of spelt left and some uh, Egyptian hullus barley that we'll get in. And we'll just keep plugging away between the rain showers. And it's just my husband and I on the farm really anymore. So um, if it's if he has to shut down seeding to spray, it's just the way it goes. So, yeah. And yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming Kelly is hard at work right now while you and I are are loafing right now, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So he's he's on. So if he needs to fact check me in any way, I told him just to chime in in the chat, and then you know, 
Well, I'll tell you what, we could probably have Rachel send him a link to get him on as a panelist and he could come in, he could just come in live, but uh, that's up to you to decide that. So <laughs> um, now, well, tell okay, tell us, Deanna, tell us about you, tell us, you know, about about Kelly, tell us where you are, just give us give us the 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 the, the story of, of you and your life there. Sure. Okay. So um, Kelly and I are smack central North Dakota. And um, I came to the farm in 2000, 2005 mm -hmm. from the city and Kelly and was farming with his parents at the time and they made room for me on the farm. So I left the city and came to the farm um, and I've been a part of the daily operations ever since. So um, yeah, so we're just a 2000 acre 2200 acre um, plant based grain farm, no livestock whatsoever, just a grain farm. Yeah, and that's a tough place to be a grain farmer. I mean, my gosh, you guys, you guys have had the, I call it, I, Minnesota and, and you guys, I've called it the winter that never ended this year. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you had snow probably just up to a month ago, right? Right. So up until the beginning of May, we had snow. Oh. And, um, and then, the la and then now we've had the last two weeks have been probably the hottest May I can remember. Uh, we're having temperatures in the 80s. It was 86 degrees to here today. Wow. So it's a it's just been um, an interesting season. And every season is different, but it just seems like um, it's been a little bit uh, a little bit more of a challenge this season than than past yeah. years to get our crop in. So this type of season, it really works on you. I mean, your mental, it just wears you down. Um, I was tired it, before we started. Yeah, it's hard to stay sharp. I mean, it really is. Um, so, okay, you gave us a little bit of your, your crops there. Give us, uh, tell us how wide of a, of a diversity you got going. I'm gonna jot these down. So what, what, do you, what, do you, what would you like to plant weather permitting? Well, we like to have um, yellow peas in the rotation, mustard, yep. flax, oats, barley, spring wheat, winter wheat, and um, and then heritage, a few heritage wheat varieties, French wheat and spelt and um, Egyptian hollis barley. Those are what we like to plant. Um, we've had to break rotation the last two years um, because we are having a hard time keeping enough cover on the land. Like our soil is so biologically active, we can't keep it fed. We're on a short um, growing season, 134 frost-free days. Mm -hmm. So um, my spelt takes 120 days of that. So um, it gets to be it gets to be a pretty short season, and um, we have to you know turn on our heel and make the changes to break rotation if we got to keep more cover on the soil because it's important. It's we are 100% biologically fed. So I don't have any sort of amendments that we're adding um, fertilizer wise. So we need to make sure that those biological communities are functioning and and there for us to lean on. So. Right. So no tillage. No chemistry. Some chemistry. Some chemistry and no fertility. Right. So um, so no tillage, number one. And that's it's been like that here since the 90s. Um, minimal chemical disturbance. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, in the spring pre-plant, maybe at the three to four leaf stage during wheat. Um, and then that's it. 
no pre-harvest desiccant, no insecticide, no fungicide, and no, no fertilizer whatsoever. That's good. We're not so, applying NPK, sulfur, zinc, any of that anymore, which we used to. We used to put it all down. And now, and we don't, we also don't apply any sort of animal manure. So we're just running on biology. That's great. Well, we're going to get to that in a few minutes, but so let's talk about, um, I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe our, uh, are you uh, regeneratively uh, certified? No, we're not. Okay. You're not. So, uh, but I've seen you post before and we talked before you've got, you've got Mark, you've got grains that could get you a premium if you could find the buyers for them, right? Right. So we market, some, we market some of our grains direct to consumer. Um, but that's a fraction of a percent. And, um, right. If, if there are pretty much the only market that I have is whatever I create, which is not always easy. And, um, a majority 99.5% of our crop goes to the local elevator or into the food grade peas or mustard, the spice industry, that kind of thing. So we're still dealing with mostly commodity prices. Mm -hmm, yeah. For the most part. Yeah, I understand. So let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about a couple of your, your, your rotations in specifics here. Let's talk about the yellow peas. Is this a, is this a, is this you plant these in like March, April timeframe? Is that, or I mean, February, April. March? April. Oh, April. Okay. Yeah, those would be an April timeframe. You're trying to beat that window there too and and get them to maturity before before everything freezes up there are there are best chance at putting in a fall seeded cover behind um peas yeah. or even barley they're early enough that if we have a little bit of fall moisture we could actually get some sort of cover crop to emerge right like um I joke, but I'm, it's serious. Like I don't, can't measure our cover crop in tons, right? We measure by germination rate and, yeah. Yeah. you know, inches, right? It's a whole different ball game. I mean, what's your rainfall there? We would like 14 inches. Oh my gosh. Um, but last year we got eight. Oh my gosh. See, Four of those were one inch rain events, which is all Kelly counts, right? But I count, I'm the optimist. And so I count the hundredths, I count this, you know, I count all of the things. And if I count all of the, all of the rainfall, it was a total of eight inches, but in Kelly's book, he measures um, an inch or more, right. For it to be beneficial. Yeah. So but with the way you guys are farming though, even a, a quarter of an inch, you're getting all of it. It's going in, you're getting your, your, you know, you're getting utilization of every drop that hits the ground. That's, that's the goal. So and that's key here. I mean, this is, I mean, you, I mean, of all people that need an armor on the soil, you need an armor because you've got to keep this moisture in the profile. Right. And it, it because it will be gone and it, that's bare soil is not anything we like to see. And so mm -hmm. we, when we feel like we're doing a good job, keeping it covered, whether it's with, you know, three or four foot stripper stubble, that's one of the things that we've added in the last couple of years to help oh. keep some of the, keep the snow in place. Um, even when we think we're doing a good job, you get into the drone footage and it's not as covered as we would like to see. So, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. So what is your, are you drilling everything? Is that, is that the, is that the tool here? 
Yep. So Kelly uses a Borgo air seeder, and then I have just a little Haybuster 1000 double disc no-till drill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk about that. Talk about the Borgo. I'm not from, I mean, is, uh, is it a single disc opener? Yep. It's a is single it disc. It's a 3710. That's a 60 foot rig. And he pulls two carts. The two carts have about a 900 bushel capacity. Oh, wow. But he designed those back in 2010 when we were putting on NPK zinc sulfur. Okay, so it's a commodity card. Okay. Yep. So he was putting, and it was a way for him to design and prescribe variable rate fertilizer by soil type yeah. to try to put down exactly what the industry standard soil test recommended. And we did that for a few years. And now he pulls the carts together in tandem still. Um, and that helps with extending um, our time between filling when time is very short, right? So because we are on a short season that we've been given this year, um, it helps to not have to be filling it all the time. And then also, and then it works great too when we interseed clover or a legume into the small grains. He can put that down with the small grains in the mid-row bander. So that works very well. And then also when we do get a chance to seed the cover a cover crop, he can use the six different metering augers to put out a six-way mix pretty easily. So he keeps oh, the two so, together. So this um oh, okay. So you're not you're not making a cocktail, so to speak, in the tank. You're creating the cocktail at the row. It's coming okay. together. He can do both. That's yeah. interesting. He can do both. Because see what we're talking about here, folks, if you, when you get uh, a several uh, size of seeds together and you're bouncing around out there, it's going to settle. And then now your rate's not what you had it mixed up at. It's all changing now. So the way this is a way for it to be more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And actually put down what Kelly meant to put down and what he thought would be the best way to go. And if, if he has, he should chime in on the chat or something if he has anything to add to that. But yeah, I wish you would. Uh, give me a spelling on this, Deanna. Is it B? B oh, the, the Borgo? Yeah. B O. Gosh, I have it here somewhere. Of course, you're asking me. Well, I was going to look. Here it is. B O. Kelly's, I got B -O it. B O U R. G A U L T. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We've been running Borgo since the '90s. I'm going to look that up. I, I think I've seen these. Th I mean, these are like monster rigs. They can be monsters, right? They can be monsters. And like, our goal is to get smaller, right? Yeah. But currently it's a 60 foot rig and um, it it comes out of Canada. Kelly really likes it for the most part. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the market for another uh, air seeder. I, I, I need something a little more exact than what we're using right now. Um, we're we're starting to shift here a little bit more on the, some smaller grain stuff we're going to raise here. Um, Deanna, have you ever done sunflowers up there? Can yes. You run, can you run them through that? Yep. Okay. And we yep. run mustard seed through. That's tiny. Yeah, mustard that's is, you know, canola size. So yeah. super tiny. Um, and uh, the clover seed, we don't have any trouble. Seed size is not 
is not a limiting factor for that specific air seeder. No. So, um, yeah. And Brad Jarden came in horse. Yes. Horse has got the, um, avatar. Yep. yep. And I think they got other things, but the avatar is probably their, their marquee, uh, air delivery system. So yeah. Yeah. I, I need to look into the, the Borgo though, a little bit more. Um, my problem here though, in, in Indiana, Deanna is going to be the parts, you know, if something would go wrong, I'm going to probably have to wait a couple of extra days to get something. So you got to kind of think about that. But man, do I like that flexibility, though, that that gives you. Yeah. And it's been as far as um, we are, you know, close to the Canadian border. So the parts aren't. Sure. Part but sure. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. definitely something that has to be considered, and especially when they're not as widespread in your area. Right. Right. Um, so is this thing a horsepower hog? I mean, does it take a lot of power to pull this 60 foot or is it pretty, pretty easy? Not when your soil is as mellow as ours, right? <laughs> um, Kelly will tell you that he's hardly running any down pressure. Um, in fact, he'll chime in in the chat and tell you, um, but nothing. Um, it pulls, yeah. and we don't, we don't farm flat ground, Rick. Our, we farm out here in the rocks and the hills. And one of our fields is the highest point in our county and it's pretty steep oh. um and it kelly says it just feels like a toy back there even if he's got the carts fully loaded wow. and we're, we're in rolling hills and it does a very good job he runs um a cat 875 i think yeah i know the tractor yeah oh great okay well i i wanted to look into the borgo i've seen a lot of them and then i want to look into this um uh, the, the K heart, um, uh, idea where they've got that, the double disc on an angle. Um, again, I, I don't know much about them. I need to research it. If there's anyone out there that's got an opinion, please put it out there. Maybe you've got an opinion. Did you look at the K heart system? Um, I, I, we haven't, my Kelly's been running Borgo, like I said, for quite a while. And I don't know, we were just talking about that. If he made a switch to something else, what he would go. Cause you run, you're running a John Deere currently, or what are you running? I run a John Deere. Yep. So um, I can't remember if he, yeah, it, in our area, most everything's green, right? So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is here too. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, so if you were going to plant, so you plant peas. Let's go back to the peas because I like peas. So you harvest these peas off. Now, are you taking some credit for some nitrogen? And then are you coming in with a cereal grain right behind them to take advantage of that? I mean, is that kind of what you're thinking? Or are you now using this opportunity for this massive cover crop? We'd like to put a cover crop mix behind it, right? So, and um, the nitrogen credit becomes... Um, maybe less of a factor uh, when we're looking at the soil biology providing the nutrients yeah. for the crop, right? So um, we're not we're not breaking any yield records around here anymore. Like, let's just be real, right? That's, we're not, yeah. but we're with county averages and not putting on any inputs. Yeah. So you're I mean, it, you're doing fine. It, yeah. it works out. Yeah. Um, so the peas, what we like to do is um you know we were using them as a nitrogen credit initially and 
the problem was the reason we had to pull them from the rotation last year and then this year was because uh, our fall moisture is so limited and so sketchy that we couldn't guarantee we could get anything up and growing to keep that soil covered for the remainder of the frost-free period. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, that soil will blow. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing to feed my microbial community no. when I have with, you know, flexed off piece stubble. There's nothing. No. And so if I can't responsibly get something in and get something growing, it becomes risky to put that down. And we start to see microbial death and um, it start the, they start when they, when we starve them, they start consuming soil aggregates. Like right. that's not, we don't want that going on. So right. we're putting more carbon in getting more cover on the soil. Um, yeah. We'll see how it goes this year. This is our second year in a full grain, full small grain rotation. Yeah. So second year on spring wheat, second year, um, on all of it. So in a row with no added fertility. So we'll see. Yeah. And I want to talk about your wheat because that's, see, that's different than here too. Um, but now I want to ask you another question about these peas. Have you tried, can, can a cold tolerant pea survive your brutal winters up there? Have you tried it? Will they survive? The winter peas um, haven't had a very great success rate. I think they might have a success rate if we had could seed them with a winter wheat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. together. I think they, that might work as far as them surviving it. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, we like to companion plants, um, but the intercropping where you have more than one and the separating becomes a huge issue. Yeah. Um, and we've got some intercrop mustard oats and peas that are still mustard oats and peas in a bin because we have not separated them yet so um yeah. the idea is really nice it's it's a challenge but i do like those synergies though when you can find those combos that work i mean we are really um you know i i i put some videos on of some fields that i've been i really like where we're headed here I almost did not pull into this field. I mean, the winter peas, the survivor peas were outrageous. They were thigh high and it was the best cereal grain because we used that as part of the cover that we had anywhere on the farm. I mean, it looked like a legitimate wheat crop. I mean, big old heads. And I just, I almost did not destroy this field, but I'm doing this for a test with the Milo and the corn. So long story short, Yes, I like that those peas mixed in with a cereal grain. I, I I like that combo. And if you're willing to let them go to maturity and separate them, it just gives you another opportunity to sell, you know, sell two crops. You know, you I don't know if the two added together is as good as the one solo. Sometimes it probably is and sometimes it's better. So Well for us for us it hasn't been, right? So yeah. when we look at mustard, peas and oats together. They grow, they grow beautifully and in the field, they're picture perfect, but yeah. sometimes picture perfect isn't, doesn't always mean it was successful. Right. So, because right. when we, when we took them off, the three of them together didn't equal, um, what a monocrop P would have equaled. 
Um, and, and partly because of the maturity issues, right? So we had rhyme damage on the mustard, the peas were overripe, the oats were green. So I mean, it was just, yeah, I mean, I think you it, I think it has to be a little more calculated when we're looking at varieties. Yeah. Um, and to try to match that up if we were to try it again. And so um, we do, we've done um, oats and um, mustard and clover together as an inner crop. And that, that is awesome. That works really great. So mustard's the cash crop. And then um, we harvest it all together. Uh, the oats are ripe um, and we close down the sieves, throw the oats out the back of the combine and the clover is left there to capture carbon still after well for the remainder of the frost free period and then the oats if we can catch a rain will germinate and grow and then we'll have volunteer mustard also so that that works really good as far as but we and we have no additional seeding paths and we still have great plant diversity I like um that. I like that you know yeah. what else I think would work there too and again I'm not don't I don't want to tell you what North Dakota, it's way different, but would buckwheat work there? Buckwheat's a pretty short window crop. Buckwheat grows beautifully here, and it is yeah. it is a short window. It has a very short window, and we've um, grown it in our cover crop mixes before. And I think there's an opportunity to, to, to try it in our inner crop also. Yeah. So, um, and we have, we like to, you know, we're big on epigenetics here. Right. So all of our seed is pretty much saved. And so if we want to add new things into cover crop mixes, we need to be growing them too. So it gets to yeah. be. Yeah, I get it. No, I get it. Uh, we've got Jimmy Emmons on. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing tonight? Uh, good decision, Deanna, that that was my mistake this year. It never rained and I almost blew after all my residue went away, keep it covered is hard in arid conditions. I see, I just don't know how you guys do it. I mean, you and, and Jimmy are several miles, you know, I don't know, maybe a thousand miles apart from each other, but you're probably both very similar to rain event, uh, eight, 10, 12, 14 inches a year. I, I don't know how you do that. I, I, I don't know how you do that. We get 30 inches here, maybe 32. Now, maybe it doesn't always come at the right time or when you want it but it does come. And if you've built the system, you can store a lot of water. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know how you folks do it in these arid environments. And then on top of that, Deanna, you get so cold so soon. I mean, right. what's, what's your, what's your freeze date, uh, your freeze date? Mid, mid September, usually. Oh my <laughs> it's in, it's right. Roughly um, 134 frost free days. So, for me to be seeding spelt um, June 2nd tomorrow, it it's pushing it, right? Um, but the bonus is, is that uh, we'll be capturing carbon for a majority of that time um, and keeping things, um, you know, growing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah well, that, it gets interesting. Yeah, and I, it sounds to me like your system is in overdrive right now, and it's just consuming everything that you feed it. And that's a problem because, like you said, and Jimmy just said, you've got to keep this covered. And you're like, no, wait a minute. We, we're, we're trying to maximize our microbial uh, biome, but yet let's pull the brakes back just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's keeping them fed is a full-time job. Yeah. So let's talk, I want to talk about the wheat here because see, I don't know why we don't raise spring wheat here in Indiana. I don't understand why we don't do this. I think it's because there's no market, but talk us through, so you're going to plant wheat in, it sounds like about your, your winter wheat, you're going to plant in like August. Is that when you're planting that? Ideal time for us to plant winter wheat is September 7th through the 14th. Okay. All right. Okay, so, but it's a short window. And if you can't, right. So, and if you can't get it in by then, you should, it's like last year, we didn't seed winter wheat because it got so dry. It got so dry. We did not have one drop of rain after July 9th. We didn't get one rain event. And then it did rain finally in October where we got four inches. But by that time, it's too late to make, you know, pull the drill out and put the winter wheat in the ground. So it, we just skipped it. Okay. So now hang on. So you've got this window, this one week window. Let's say you're in the window and you're planting wheat. Is this wheat going to germinate and sprout and put a, a, a something above ground before? Okay. All right. It'll be up and out of the ground. Okay. And then it'll vulnerabilize and then we'll see it in the spring. Okay. You know? Yep. So it'll get up and out of the ground. Okay, good. So now you've got some cover, you got some live roots out there and you're trying to now get to survive through the winter time here. Okay. Right. And then in the spring, when it does start to thaw, it's starting to pull moisture right away. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like I said, we're, we got, we're stripper stubble. <laughs> and so we catch a lot of snow and all of the neighbor's snow off the bean fields comes and lands in our fields. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so we get a lot of snow um, captured in that stripper stubble. So um, it'd be nice to have something that over, it's nice when you have something overwintering to start taking some of that moisture up early. Yeah, that's good. And and I, I, I mean, I know this seems trivial to some folks maybe listening, but folks, th this is critical what you talked about because every drop of moisture, whether it's a snowflake or a raindrop is massively critical here. Because you guys have to get everything. I mean, I love Jimmy. You know, mm -hmm. Jimmy uh, Jimmy tells the story that, you know, a, a rain event came through and his buddy calls him. And, and Jimmy, I apologize if I botched this up, but I'm going to try to do the best I can. The neighbor says, hey, it just rained an inch. How much did you get? And Jimmy says, I got it all. And yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and that's, and I, we talk, Kelly and I talk about that a lot, that water is our limiting factor no. because even when you have a active soil microbiome, they get lazy and they go to sleep without water, they go dormant. And so if I'm counting on them to produce a crop, they need to be awake. Yeah, and so, yeah, we, water is important for that. Okay, so now, Deanna, let's talk about seeding rates now. I'm going to assume in this arid environment that you're backing down from what I would do. Let's just compare you to me. If I'm going to plant wheat, we're somewhere in that 1.2, 1.3 million seeds per acre range. Where are you at? About a million. Right oh, around so a million. You're, not, you're not coming down quite as hard as I thought you would. Okay. No, not too far. Like, so, Kelly will chime in if I get this wrong. Um like yeah it's it's right it's a, it's over a million plants population okay yeah that's good so um okay so you've done your you've done your winter wheat it got planted you know whatever you got 200 acre whatever 200 acres of that and it's it's okay 
now you got to wait for the, the the snow to melt and the and the ground to warm up a little bit when are you doing your spring wheat then spring wheat we well we'd like we would have liked to have started um like may 10th okay. is okay so for us since our system has changed so dramatically um may beginning of may would be ideal for us uh we are used to we used to be seeding on Earth Day, which is in April. Hmm. But as our system changes and as um, our water holding capacity expands, we have to stay out of the field longer um, because we don't want to cause compaction and be in there unnecessarily, right? So we make the choice to wait uh, until conditions are fit. And even now, where they're at right now, we're into some areas where I'd rather not be in. But, but because we're pushed against this window and we, we still participate in federal crop insurance. So we do have deadlines to meet. Um, and so sometimes we like make choices, right? That when you're on a limited time frame of, of what gets seeded and what doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. See, I look at the more I listen to your, your story and your lifestyle here, I, I see obviously two limiting factors. It's the water and it's the window of time. I mean, you have to be time managers here because you got to make a decision like, okay, spelts is out. It's, it, it was supposed to have been yesterday and it's now today and it's out. I mean, it's that quick right. and this it's crazy. So, uh, you know, and, and, and Jimmy's like tillering in a short window is limited. So it takes more seeds than you think. I didn't think about that. Uh, right. is what I see planting late here even. Yeah, I get that now, Jimmy, that that makes sense. Um, sometimes if you crowd them, it, you'll force them to tiller. So I, I get that. I just thought, I again, I don't know. That's why you're on the show educating us. I just figured you would be like maybe two thirds of, uh, or not, yeah, you would be two thirds of my rate. You'd be in that seven, 800,000 range. So um I'm glad you can I'm glad you can still do you know a million plus seeds and make it work yeah all right we've got we're gonna we'll go to IMOS I um I've been <laughs> I want to wait on this but let's do it we've got uh we've got Julia wanted how you doing Julia um we're wanting to learn about IMOS so first of all it's got to be an acronym right what's it stand for and then tell us all about it because this is this is quite fascinating. Okay, so IMO stands for Indigenous Microorganism Solution. Okay, um, and five years ago when we first were one hundred percent fertilizer free, so this is see this is year five for us being fertilizer free on the farm, um, and when that. When we got to that point, um, Kelly was watching a lot of YouTube and listening to a lot of um, science and learning a lot about, well, he's learning a lot all the time, but um, he wanted to act, he was sure that we needed to lean on biology mm -hmm. to make that this was going to work to produce our crop, right? So we'd been diving deep into the rhizophagy cycle. We used Christine Jones to reduce off of the fertilizer over a five-year period. We got into the rhizophagy cycle. So like, we didn't know why our plants were growing, even though we weren't putting on suggested fertilizer rates until we came across Dr. James White's work. 
And then this, there was science behind why it worked. Right. Right. And so, um, so Kelly thought, well, we could do compost pile. So he's watching Elaine Ingham and all of the great um, work that she's done and her team is doing. Um, but it was too much work. Mm -hmm. We're just two people. No. I don't know enough to keep this compost al like alive and thriving. And rules you got to follow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, it was, there was so many hurdles and, um, then he started researching Johnson Sioux. It's awesome. It works. Um, I could not, uh, some of this stuff falls on me. So, um, and at the time our kids were five and two. And so I could not commit to watering a Johnson Sioux every day for a year or keeping it warm. Right. Oh. You were, we were at the time they were saying, you know, you keep it indoors and keep it, you know, don't let it freeze and things like that. I, I couldn't commit to that. It was too much of a commitment. And I just told Kelly, if you want to do this biological thing, you have to make it easy. So yeah. easy that I can do it by myself while you're in the drill. And, and so he started connecting dots and um, learning about Korean natural farming. And he came to me with this idea of borrowing indigenous microorganisms from our native areas on our farm and repopulating them and then applying them to seed. And I was like, well, that sounds nuts. And let's do it. Right. Because I, I was like, okay, so what does this entail for me? He was like, well, we'll borrow, we'll borrow the indigenous microorganisms from our, from our, from our farm. You'll repopulate them for 24 hours and then we'll apply them to seed. I'm like, that's it. He's like, that's it. I said, okay. I said, can you put it, whatever you're making this concoction in, can you put it in my basement? So it's easier for me to manage with yeah. my kids who are two and five. Um, and he said, sure. And so we did. And um, we did some learning on the microscope and there's a lot of life and I have no idea what everything is in there. But what I do know is that we're borrowing it from a thriving system mm -hmm. and we are aerating it for 24 hours. So we're dealing with um, an aerobic system. And so not a lot of pathogens are going to survive in that. Um, and so and this year we moved it out of the basement. I refer to Kelly as my basement biologist because um, he's studying constantly about everything um, soil related and 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 what lives in there and our livestock that we are responsible for and and so um, so yeah, we now have moved it out of the basement and into a shop and um, uh, and yeah. So and so. We okay, so this is our fifth year using it, Rick. And for a couple of years, I've been telling Kelly, you need to tell people about this. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. And I said, and I I'm really big on um farmer independence and being free from some of the constraints that we are brought into this with. And so um, and I feel like all the all farmers should have a choice. Mm -hmm. And if we put this out there and show farmers how to borrow indigenous microorganisms from their system and put it to use in their soil 
in their cropping system, then they have the choice. Whether they use it or not is on them, but at least they have the information. And up until this point, um, well, we hadn't seen it broad scale, right? Scalable, um, something that could be thousands of acres, right? And so we've been doing it on 20, well, 2,600 acres and now 2,200 acres uh, for the fifth year. And so last year, finally, um, we were visiting with our friend from South Dakota, Rick Bieber, and we told him what we were doing. Um, this was the first person um, Kelly had told about the the basement biology that we were brewing up. And um, he was like, that's, of course it works. It should, it's simple, it's natural. How would this not work? Um, and so he um, asked me last year if he could try it on his farm. And so, um, He asked me to make him up three kits so he could do three batches of seed and um, try it on his farm. So he did. And um, last fall, he said, you need to give it a name and you need to show people what to do. And he said, and I'll take three kits when they're ready. So um, that's really how it started. Um, We gave it a name. IMOS is easy. iPhone, IMOS easy acronym, right? It's easy to understand. And um, we started, we put out a video series through Guardian Grains and um, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to follow. And um, I'm, Kelly shows everyone how to build their own brewer for 185 bucks. It's not as shiny as the one that you have. I know the one you have. It's so shiny and so great. Um, I saw it at, on display at Brant's Field Day, and yeah. so um, ours is much more rudimentary than that. But it it works really well, and um, even I can build it, which is great. We had the opportunity to build those with David for his Field Day, and it was awesome to have David Brant heart run for you be your your tool gopher like he was grabbing tools for kelly it was it was insane and now that he's um passed away that just means that much more like we knew it was a huge deal to have him sitting there making these hardware store brewers right but now it's really a big deal and then to use the product yeah right right. and then to for to have him try it which is great so um, so we released the video series in March and um, we've got farmers in um, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Minnesota, Idaho, Wyoming, Kansas, Oklahoma, um, Ohio, of course. Um, yeah. So it's spreading. Well, maybe Indiana soon here. Uh, <laughs> oh, there is. A, you're too late. Oh, you I'm too late. Yes. There is already an Indiana um, uh, early adopter. That's uh, what I'm calling them. Okay. And then, um, so we have a WhatsApp chat that is just IMOS members where we all share like what we have going on and what we're doing. Um, so Kelly and I use seed as the carrier, right, um, for the biology. And so how that works is we apply it to the seed and everything is on our farm is seeded naked. So there's no coating on anything. So it works out really well. We wet the seed and then 
um, this micro the microbial communities form a biofilm and they encapsulate that seed. And then when we put them in the ground, when that seed um, germinates and it has all of that microbial life on the seed surface, ready to go to work for it. Yeah. And so um, I don't think it's something we would have to continue doing. Uh, but as you've already discussed, we are on such a short time frame. Our microbial community comes out of dormancy looking more like dirty hairy than it does, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows. So we, you know, it's kind of like um, a party, right? So the more the merrier. That's how I feel about the biology that we add every year um, to the seed. Why not bring them all, bring the quorum of life there and let the plant decide sure. what it needs and what it doesn't. And so that's, that's almost kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. We're, okay. I want to dig a little deeper in, in a couple areas. So yeah, yeah. I know this is probably in your, in your uh, online video. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. Um, how do, how does a, a person know where to go onto their farm to find this in what I'm going to call inherent type soil? Right. So, um, there are different places that you want to look. So we look in, in forested areas, not just forested areas, um, fruiting areas. Um, and because we're collecting yeasts from the soil, right? Fungi, bacteria, all of it. Yeah. Um, and so the, those are your good sources for that. Grassland areas are an important part of that, especially for us, we grow small grains. So we want the biology there that is responsible for growing a thriving, um, you know, grass crop. Sure. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we just kind of help, you know, guide people on where to go to find the, so, and we're going, we're not going anywhere that's degraded, right? We're borrowing from thriving systems where you see, you can visually see that something is always good here. Like the fruit off this tree is always better here, or um, the grass is always greener here. Um, the nitrogen fixers are there, right? So we want to borrow those. What about, and we're weedy, thinking, what, about a, what about a weedy area? Area where weeds always grow well. I'm, I mean, there's... I mean, where we borrow from, there's a diversity of plants, yeah. right? So from warm season, cool season, broadleaf, grasses, all of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, and, and we're talking small amounts, Rick. Let's you bring a five gallon bucket with you and you just get a little bit here and a little I, bit there. Yeah. Like you're literally borrowing it and we flag it because it's not regenerative if we don't put it back. Yeah. And it takes three pounds of soil to make 30 gallons. This is insane. Of Imos. I apply that to the seed. I was just doing it today. Um, and What's your application uh, method? What, how, are you, how are you doing it? Okay, so 30 gallons. Um, I have like, okay, do you know those old seed treaters that have like a swirling, like it, air, you know, it moves around a lot. Hmm. We utilize an old seed treater, repurposed it. Now we apply life with it. Okay. And I have a little hose that goes on to an old worn out auger. And the 
um, liquid, the IMOS solution is infused right through the auger and the auger does all the mixing for me all the way up. That makes sense. Yeah. And then and it's it, kind of dry when it comes out the, out the end of the auger. It's a little bit, it's a little bit wet yeah. and it can be, um, it, it can be a little bit wet because um, it doesn't, it's not enough to germinate the seed, right? right. I have, I've had it so wet, Rick, that it's pouring out the back of my Peterbilt grain truck, no. right? And Kelly came down and I was doing flax. Have you no. ever dealt with wet flax? It turns to snot. Uh. And so Kelly saw it pouring out the back of the truck and he was like, you are shoveling this into the into my air seeder. This is not happening. You should have noticed the pressure was off. But guess what? The next day when we went to, we covered it with the tarp and everything because they're light sensitive too. Yeah. So they don't, you can't leave them exposed to the light for a long time. Um, so we put, put it on his, um, went to fill his drill the next day and it flowed just like flax flows. And so I didn't have to shovel it, but I don't recommend putting it on that heavy. So, yeah. yeah so, but 30 gallons, Rick treats, um, 600 bushel bio prime, 600 bushel of seed, which for us is. 300 acres. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm not handling a lot of product. That's three pounds of soil. Three pounds. Go out and collect three pounds of soil, put it in your, your incubator, whatever you want to call it. And, call 24 it hours, and 24 hours later, you got the product, right? Okay. Well, I'm over, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but okay. So I do feed it for 10 days prior. Okay. Brewing it. So I, we borrow it. I feed it um uh beta glucan and oats from our farm and uh, that helps with the fungal growth and the immune system the immune builders um in the beta glucan they are beneficial for the soil microbiome so we feed it that for 10 days and um then i brew it for 24 hours and then yes. i apply it to seed and what's really great is that we've only ever used seed as the carrier and when we made this when we made the video series available, we had right away, um, Steve Groff from Pennsylvania came on and he was like, I'm going to foliar apply it. And I was like, we don't have any experience with that, but that's so great. And yeah. so, you know, and that's, and that's one of the great things about opening this up to other farmers is that we have opportunity to learn new things, um, in different areas. And, um, like I said, it took a long time to convince Kelly and it helped having Rick Beaver from South Dakota be such a huge support and being like, this is really important and reiterating the fact that, um, you know, anyone could do it and, and that farmers deserve to know how. And, and, and um, so I was really pushy for a lot of years and he can't tell me no forever, Rick. Eventually, right. he has to tell me yes. He caved in, so I'm glad he did. <laughs> I'm glad he did. Um, you know, and I love this because uh, this easily goes to scale, very easy. You can go to thousands of acres. Um, and, and you know, Deanna, I've been very, you, you probably know me pretty well. I've been very stubborn on this biology, and I still am, even though I'm trying some this year, I've, I'm just... I'm not seeing yet what I think I should be seeing. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one of your kits. I, I need you to send me the supplies. I'll pay for it all, uh, or tell me what to build. But I we need to get something like this started. And I'm all about 
seed trading. I think that is the key here to, because everything that we've done so far with our biology, we've seed treated everything. And I can see that change, I can see. Um, foliars, I don't know yet. Uh, they're so specific to, to uh, certain things that you may be short in, like if you're short in boron or calcium or magnesium. I, but this is a full-blown, you know, life package that you're given. And that plant needs that, that immediate boost of immunity right off the bat. So I really like this idea. Well, and it's it's a quorum, right? A whole community. And the the great thing about putting all the biology together is that um, together they can create what wasn't there before. Yeah, right. And so if I am short on boron and the plant signals that and I have the right biology in place. Yeah, they'll start the transfer. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, uh -huh. it's, and it's just, it's so, um, when Kelly started connecting the dots and he brought this to me and I was like, so simple, I can manage it right in, mm -hmm. in, on top of everything we were already doing at home with the kids and things like that. So, um, and it had to be, it had to be simple. And if it got harder, I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. So are you are you good with doing this in an as an inferro application also? Are you okay with that? Yep. Um so we've got farmers that are putting it in furrow. We don't have any experience with it directly, right? Because we've only used seed as the carrier. But that's that's the great part about it spreading out and having, you know, impacting other states and other areas is that they can try and that's the thing, is that you can learn how to do it and then take your own liberties and do what works in your system, which is important because everybody's system is different. That's right. It's all about context and, and what you're willing to try or not try. That's right. right. Um, we've got a couple things here. I think it's Michael. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why my chat, I only get a few letters of the, I'm sorry. Uh, how about Osage hedgerows? Um, for your, um, you know, your inherent material to collect from. I've not tried it. Um, we don't have Osage here. No, I don't know why it wouldn't work. It, I think it'd be fine. And I'll tell you what else I do like in the next, the, the Kelly's the next one, grasslands by succession match most of our cash crops. That's exactly right. And I love that idea about going to a grassland, collecting your soil from there. I'm doing the same thing here. We're, as you know, we fight foxtail in this organic no-till system. So let's let's stop fighting it and let's introduce a cash crop that's going to grow like foxtail. And that's what we're trying to do this year. Okay. So it's kind of all the same thing we're talking about here. But I do like this idea, Deanna, of, of I want simplicity. We got too much going on. I don't need, I mean... When we go into the into the shed to when Eric and I go into the shed to build a concoction that 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 someone's wanting to, it's four hours of building this thing, you know, to then go to the field and have enough enough juice to do two hundred acres. Now I, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. This this is intriguing to me. So well, it literally takes okay. So the twenty four hour brew cycle. Well, the ten the feeding for ten days. I saw somebody ask about beta glucan. Beta glucan is like the um um immune system response and you can only find that in oats barley and wheat 
And so um, we feed uh, the indigenous microorganisms, the soil, we feed it flaked oats and um, let that grow and um, for 10 days, right? So that I leave it alone. They're going to sprout, right? Well, they we flake it, so it doesn't usually sprout. So okay. um, mostly it just opens up the seed enough to um, activate the water-soluble beta-glucan. And so we water it a little bit, and then you leave it in the dark for 10 days. I mean, it's, oh. right? And then the 24-hour brewing cycle with air, that's all been calculated for 30-gallon batches. So Kelly has um, done the research to figure out which um, pump with the right gallons per minute is going to be beneficial to keep the microbial community alive, but not blow them apart, right? right. You need them to have air and repopulate, and they do that, um, and they reach the peak of repopulation at hour 18. And then after that, the community and the numbers stabilize. And then they just are there and alive on on the air that we supply. And so once you take it off of the air, this is where the inferro gets interesting is um, you have four hours to apply that. So um, when I apply it to the seed, um, I bring it over in my side-by-side in five-gallon buckets and pour it into this little swirly gig and um, treat it like that. It takes me one hour to put it on the seed. It takes me almost as equally as long to clean up the brewer, which is important. You have to get it cleaned up um, between each use. We can't, you can't just leave it like, you can't leave it. And the water source is probably the most important thing. Um, we use local water source. Um, so lakes, ponds, um, nothing mm. that has runoff from manure. So nothing right outside a feedlot or anything like that. Mm. And that's important because of the algae component of it. Algae oh. becomes super important. Um, it, it's responsible for bringing plants from the water to earth so a living water is super important you guys have always thought this out i love i love all of the steps they all make total sense um yeah uh, i'll have to get a kit we got to get we got to get started i mean we're we're planting seeds a lot of the you know we got cover crops coming up next so uh cover crop is a perfect opportunity right to apply imos because um, most all cover crops go down with no fertility, right? No added fertility. And right. they're almost always naked. Right. So they become very good candidates to get a group, a diverse mix of different plants applied with um, bioprime with IMOS into a soil system where you're not going to disrupt them with fertilizer of any sort, right? So you're going to get the full benefit of the communication between the microbes and your plants because you're not getting in the way with fertilizer or seed treatments. So cover crop becomes a great carrier for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally agree. Now, do you, um, let's see, I had a thought, oh, um, 
could you also look at this as like an inoculant for uh, for a legume? I mean, you know, you're supposed to supposed. To, could you could you would you consider this uh, solution an an inoculant? Um, I I think so. Um, so the idea with inoculating our legumes, right, was that once it's there, you shouldn't have to continue to inoculate them, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you provide them with food, roots, right? And yeah. shelter. As long yeah. as I'm not destroying their microbiome every chance I get, then that should stay there and be there. But like I said, um, we continue to use it because it's so inexpensive. And so like, just to put it into perspective, Rick, on a thousand acres. So we sell the video series online. So with the video series, building your brewer and your first kit to with that has a soil bag in it and an aerator and the foods, because you do feed five different foods to this brew at the beginning of the 24 hour cycle. Um, so between the education and the kit and the building the brewer, it's about a dollar an acre. Oh. And once you're set up, it's 30 cents an acre. If you're yeah. on a thousand acres, right? It's substantially more if you're doing less, which we do have farmers that are using it on much smaller scale. Sure. Um, and so it's inexpensive and it's alive. And I know it's alive because I just, why well, we put it under the microscope and I can see lots of different things going on. I can't tell you everything that's there, yeah. but um, it's full of life, which is the idea. Yeah. And diversity. There's a yeah. ton of different things under there. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Brad's asking about well water. Um, what do you think there? Is that okay? We have some. We have some farmers using well water as um, a last resort. Yeah. It's a better choice than any sort of um, municipal water, like water source, for sure. That's chlorine and chloramine. I don't care if you've aired them off or bubbled them off or whatever. Um, we don't. We don't recommend that at all. So right. a living water source as close to your location as possible. And by living water source, what are we looking for? We're looking for water sources that have plants growing around them, water sources that have um, frogs that live in there, um, turtles, freshwater shrimp, um, minnows, whatever, um, because that, that indicates that there's oxygen enough to support life. No. And we don't want to use a stagnant water source. And so if we can't find a um, water source to support life, then well waters are choice, right? So um, yeah, it becomes a, it can be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all this is online. What was, what's the website again, please? It's um, guardiangrains.com. And you can go click down on IMOS and there is information there on the video series. Uh, there's, it's a five part video series, but we've added things. And so we'll continue to add videos to those. Um, and then once you have access to the videos, you have access to those for life. And so anything we add also is included in the video library and it's all through the website. So you don't have to download anything. Um, and it's just, you can watch it whenever you want at guardiangrains.com. And then um, the kits. So we put together simple kits. Again, um, everything, well, Rick Bieber wanted it to be easy. He did not want to mess with all the different foods, put them in a kit, send them to me. Okay. So we yeah. did. 
So we put kits together with the five different foods and they're in water soluble packaging. So there's no measuring involved. Uh, they just, uh, and they're in compostable packaging. So when you're done with the package, you can just throw it in your garden or wherever else. And it this sounds like something I could even do. So it's, it's simple. It, uh, well, it had to be simple enough that I could do it by myself. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Rachel, just put in there the, the website. Thank you, Rachel. Um, wow, that, uh, this is intriguing. If this is, I'll tell you, this is definitely worth test trialing on the farm and see if we see any results. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the thing about the trials, right? Um, okay. So if we are expecting to see a crop response, like we get from a nitrogen boost or, um, a manure application, right? You're going to need to play the longer game, yep. the observation game of watching how how much longer that plant stays healthier, how much longer that plant stays greener. Um, how is the pest pressure on those plants? So right. the sugars, right? We know that high bricks levels produce healthy plants where the pests don't bother them. Right. Those are those are all indicators, right? So they're you're if you're looking for an immediate crop response, you probably won't see it above ground initially. Um, where you do notice the difference is on the rhizosheaths, on the roots, and the uh, microbial communities that are actually hanging out and sticking to those roots. Um, that's where you'll notice the difference. And then in the long and the long game of it, the long observation of it over the course of the season. Um, and yeah. so yeah. Yeah. And see, I love, I love the, we got a couple, I'll get to the stuff in the chat here in just a second, but what I love about this and, and we both have the same passion, I think for this epigenetics and now you add this to it. Um, I, I don't see how it doesn't work. So, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited well, it does work because look in nature. Yeah. Like it's got it figured out. Yeah. Kelly calls it earth's operating system. Yeah. All we're doing is borrowing from it, no. right? And no. and trying to introduce it back into our cropping system where maybe it used to be. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it and I'm gonna try it out, I really will. So um, let's get to Randall Reader. Randall, how are you doing tonight? Um, and of course, Deanna's already mentioned this already, but she got to, to present at Dave Brandt's Field Day this year, which is an honor. Uh, she got to have Dave help her build uh, build this IMO system, and then the the telltale of all things is to go out and actually apply it. And Dave did, and Randall's referring to that. So please tell us what the three treatments are on on Dave's wheat that he did uh, on May thirty first. Mm. Okay, so he did a few different trials. They're trialing um, Dresbach. Um, worm juice that's one of the ways what they're doing they're doing imos and then um i think nothing other than like their full fertility package okay. um and so i think those are the three different things that they're trying there and i think jay um and dave um did on soybeans um this year too and so um and and that was such a huge 
huge deal. Um, we've had a lot of things happen with guardian grains as like planets aligning and stars aligning and things just being in the right place at the right time for us to be at national no-till doing a presentation there, um, and have David Brandt sit in the very front row mm -hmm. and then ask what the heck we were doing with, with the biology and then have him ask us to come to the field day. It was, yeah. I mean, in unbelievable, unbelievable, what an unbelievably awesome opportunity and uh, once in a lifetime. Yeah. And we're so grateful that we had that chance, right? And so it's pretty awesome. That's good. That's great. And and I, I misread Randall's thing that, that yesterday was May 31st. So somebody has checked those treatments, but Dave himself applied these treatments before he left us. And uh, he told me on the phone, he was excited. He said, Rick, I, I've got one of these treatments that I put, um, I don't remember how many units of any said, I thought he said a hundred and you can't tell the difference from where the, the nitrogen was applied and the IMOS was applied. He said, you cannot tell the difference today. Then he said, you know, the combine will tell the whole truth. So, that, you know, you'll wait for that. That's fine. But today it looked no different. And that's, that's a big deal. Well, and the, the corn's a different, corn is a different beast, right? As totally, right? With the nitrogen applications, um, we don't grow corn on the farm. Uh, so, um, I mean, that, it could be great. It could be sure. great for Sure. Uh, well, how could it not be, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll, I think it's going to work. Um, uh what uh, okay mark has asked how long did it take you to get away from the use of any fertilizer without the use of livestock or the manure from livestock so um we haven't had livestock on the farm since the 90s right well we have well uh, let me back up we have livestock it's just not domestic livestock so as the system has changed uh, we have invited the native livestock to come back Sure. which is awesome. We're seeing a lot of native livestock that we never used to see before. And guess what? I never have to move a fence for them ever. Mm -hmm. They just leave when they want. So it works out great for me. Yeah. And then, um, but <clears throat> so we haven't had livestock in a long time. Uh, the fertilizer, as I was describing before, we were intensely applying fertilizer and we thought we were doing it better because we were doing it by soil type and um by um soil type and soil test and so um VRT so in it then well variable, variable rate variable yeah. rate back in 2010 on carts that are from the 90s that didn't have the technology right. made them do it and they were successful in doing the variable rate fertility and then so we took five years to wean off of the synthetic inputs. Um, and we cold turkeyed the insecticide and cold turkeyed the fungicide. So, um, and everything else was on a five-year reduction. And we started off with 500 acres of no fertility from year one. Mm -hmm. And we based that one on 3.5% organic matter. Mm -hmm. That's where we started. If it had 3.5% organic matter, we cut off fertilizer year one. Every other 
um, soil test or soil type was 20% over the next five years to eliminate um, on year five. And so that was kind of, that was kind of the formula for it. And um, so some of our fields, well, 500 acres of our fields have been fertilizer free for 10 years. This is the 10th season. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't have the input cost, right? So mm -hmm. like last year with the fertilizer prices, if I had, if we had applied fertilizer last year, the way we had 10 years ago, instead of costing me $237,000, it would have cost me $427,000. And that last year cost me zero. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, those are, I can afford to, my yields can go down when I don't have those input costs. Right. And like I said, we're not breaking yield records. Like that's not the goal anymore. That's not the, that's not our vision of success. No. Um, we're looking for soil health first and then healthy people. Right. And so that's really how guardian grain started was just an evolution of how can the regeneration of our farm spread out into the community. And the best way to do that is through food and by growing better food, challenging ourselves to grow better food. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, uh, Brad is asking uh, the type and power of your mi microscope that you're using. Okay. It's nothing super fancy. Kelly will know exactly because um, um, we've been looking at some nicer ones. Like Matt Powers has some really nice ones that he's displaying. Yeah, um, one's right here, so. Okay. Yeah. Which, what is that one that you use? Uh, uh, Omax and it, it um, I think it goes up to a 20, a 40, goes up to a 40. Okay. Ours, so, uh, ours has, goes up to a hundred X. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, that's that's the one uh, Kelly will put it in the chat. He might probably he probably knows exactly the model and the make of it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah. So again, you know, we've got Dr. Christine Jones. We got Dr. Chris Nichols. We don't need to know what everything in there is called. And, and, and that's what their job is. Just. Show me the, the, that they're alive because so many things that are for sale today, they're not alive. Right. And oh, and that was that was really cool to do at Bransfield Day. Um, Jay's son put Imos under the microscope and yeah. put it up on the big screen. On the big screen, yeah. And yeah. we brewed it. We brewed it there at the field day, so it was living. It was ready. Um, and there's so so much. You know, where um, I've heard of farmers getting, you know, different biologicals and putting them under the microscope and there's nothing. Oh, they're dead. Yeah. Well, they okay. have to breathe. And if it comes in a jug, what are they breathing? Yeah, there's so nothing. they may have breathed for an hour. <laughs> and it was gone. Right. Uh, so Kelly came back. And I think it's AMScope is how you pronounce that. So, That's right. Um, Okay, so now let me, I, got, I just had another thing come into my brain box. Um, okay, so we've treated the seed today. Now, what's the shelf if, you know, if we keep it in a cool place out of the sun, take it back into the warehouse, how long can a guy like me, can I do a week's worth of seed ahead or, or how far can I go? Yep, okay, so last year we had um, spelt treated for four weeks. Ah. Yeah. So okay. if, 
it, we still saw the same benefit on the riser sheets and the same. Uh, and that was because we got a snowstorm where we weren't expecting it after we were trying to get ahead and be like, oh, we're going to be ready to seed spelt. And then it, we got shut down for four weeks after five feet of snow. Oh, my gosh. Good old so, Yeah, like we were like, oh, we're going to get seeded. And then, oh, never mind. We're buried in snow banks. Um, so <clears throat> five, we've had it on for four weeks. Okay. Um, typically, I am applying it and then putting it in the trucks for when Kelly's drill is empty and then we fill it up. So it could be a couple of days. Um, it's it's pretty shelf stable because those microbial communities, um, they form a biofilm. They kind of go dormant, they go to sleep and they just encapsulate the seed. And then they wake up when you introduce them to some soil and some moisture and some and then they wake up and um not, i've never heard you say sugar molasses or you're not adding any of that to this there are there are foods that we feed um but they're pre-measured and okay measured out so okay. there are foods that we okay. feed but it's five simple foods and it goes in right at the beginning of the 24-hour brew cycle okay um you know what would be interesting and you could try this is take one of those seeds that you treated and then maybe in four weeks, drop it into some water, turn it back into a little solution, pull a, a stopper, a dropper out, and then look at it. Because mm. would it dissolve back off of the seed? I think it would, wouldn't it, if it got wet? I think, I, I think, right? Like that's yeah. like the best, the best explanation that I can give. We think that would work. Yeah, but that'd give you a way to look at it and see that verify everything's still there, which I, I think it would be. I think it uh, would be too. Um, because I, I said, they just kind of go to sleep. Yeah. So, um, we can wake them back up with moisture, I think. And so, yeah, I think that would totally work. Yeah. I See, I, you know, no more than I know about this. I would think inferro would work awesome too, because I know a lot of these microbes, especially the, the, these bacteria, probably don't like the sunlight and the heat. So anything you can get below ground, close it back up, I, it's probably going to be okay. Yep, I think I think we've got a farmer in Minnesota doing inferro. Yeah. So we shall see, right? I, I need to get a kit. Um, I, what do I need to do? Go online and yep, go and online. Put... You have to you have to purchase the video series, Rick. You have right. to pay for the education, and well. then and then you can buy the kit. So the kit's not available unless you buy the video series because we want to know we want people to know how to use them. Right. And so um, you just go to guardiangrains.com backslash IMOS and you can buy your your video series there. And then you have the opportunity to buy kits and the kits are, you know, like I said, there it ends up on a thousand acres. It's a dollar an acre until you're set up. And then it's thirty three cents an acre, which I mean, that, that's that's just... why we still apply it. Right. Because I think you're seeing I think we are not noticing as much of a difference now as we did five years ago. Right. But I, but we continue to do it because we're set up for it. I already know how to do it. Um, adding more to the system won't be bad. Yeah. So, and I mean, so we just continue to do it. I don't, uh, Kelly and I both agree that it's not something you would have to use forever and that's the reason we built our 185 or 185 dollar brewer was because it wasn't going to be a forever thing and kelly had said to me he was like boy if i would have known you were going to have me do a video series i probably would have made this a little bit nicer and i'm like no it needs to be like 
something anyone could build, right? And then it, it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Um, it can yeah. be something that we can all build from the local ha- hardware store and simple, right? And um, easy to clean. And it is. And this so- is what I, I'll tell you what I really like the most about this idea, though, is you are not introducing any antagonistic uh, uh, predators into your system. You are taking the soil or the microbes from the soil that's inherent within your farm. That's what I like about this. Now, I've kind of done the same thing here, Deanna, except I'm paying for the money to have someone tell me what is in that inherent soil. So we've gone, pulled a sample, sent it to biomakers, they give us the full download of what's in there. Then I have other people grow the biology that we're missing after you pull the sample from your field. And then those two marry together. You're just taking that step out and taking that biology from that inherent material, reproducing it and introducing it to your uh, cash crop system. So I, I, I just like this all the way around. Uh, it's- yeah, and it's, and like I said, it's one of those things where we're just inviting, we're, we're grouping them all together, a huge quorum of yeah. living organisms. Let, let the system decide what it wants. That's, that's how, that's how, that's how it's worked for us. And yeah. um, if it gets too complicated, like I said, I wasn't doing it. There, Kelly approached me with a lot of things and a lot of things that work. They totally work, um, but it was not anything I uh, was willing to commit to. And now that we go this route, um, uh, it's not anything I'm going to stray from because I'm like I'm already set up for it. And then I'm. I think though, Deanna, you'll reach a point where uh, you've you've resupplied your 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 livestock, and you you know I don't know. I think we we don't... might be there. I think we might be there, but at the same time, like I said, it gets so cold here something has got to die when the soil is below freezing, like something's not coming back. Right. So just in case we put it out there and um, bring them back in case they're missing from the cold, hard winter. You don't have anything else to do. do, So it gives you something to do, right? I'm it's already part of my springtime routine. And so, um, your kids are going to be doing it next. So see that. Okay. Well, that's the other thing, right? Is I can spray this on anything. I can spray it on my kids. I can spray it on the trees. I can spray it on my pets. Like it's life. I'm not, there's nothing in there that I can't be around. If somebody on um, social media was like, well, there's a, some, some type of bacteria that's in the soil that can be bad for you. And I was like, okay, I hadn't thought of that. But I'm not borrowing from those kinds of systems where where disease is present. I'm borrowing from thriving system, not from anywhere where disease is um, showing and obvious, right? Um, those plants are the indicators. Those need to be what we are observing when we're borrowing from that system. If there is something, you have dead trees or well, um, like choke cherries trees here get a fungus. We aren't borrowing from those areas, right? Like right. though you you have to you have to be conscious of where you're going, and where yeah. you're borrowing from. Yeah, I, yeah, oh, makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, Keith Thompson is saying for sure the video series is uh, indispensable to understand yeah. the process. So okay. <laughs> Keith. 
I will buy the video series. Okay. He's just really, really great. And um, he's, um, it's pretty, he, he's part of our um, IMOS chat on WhatsApp. So Kelly and I didn't know anything about WhatsApp until um, we released the video series in March. And there were questions that were coming up. And rather than fielding them um, independently on the phone, we started them in a chat. And so everyone has access to them. And we can all learn from each other all at the same time. Um, yeah. So it was either that or starting an office hour with Kelly or I that we could field some of these questions. But this way on the WhatsApp chat, it's a completely private chat. And um, so and we can go back and learn from each other. And which is that's re it's really been awesome to watch it ripple out in the last few months because it's just been here at home and um it's kind of out of the shadows and out of the basement and well I'm glad, you, I'm glad you and kelly i mean my gosh you guys are are uh you go to the nth degree to make sure that this is going to be a viable thing or you wouldn't have put it out online um thank you so much for doing this and i truly am going to uh try this i mean it's it's it'd be silly not to try because see like i said i totally believe and understand what you're saying i took a different approach i wasn't aware of this imos until just recently nobody uh, was <laughs> and, and i'll tell you those tests aren't cheap though to yeah. run those tests are not cheap so um, and as a as a as a um some some people really want the data to show it to prove it and mm -hmm. I can understand that 100%. So, um, oh. you, you know, even we have been encouraged to start doing some testing on farm again. We have not done soil testing um, since we removed all the inputs um, off of our farm. So we haven't done any sort of soil testing since 2019. Um, maybe 18 is the fall that I last did them. Um uh, because I was doing all the soil testing also, and that was all by zone. And um, so, yeah, it was, um, it just, it, we, we are observing, right? Yeah. Learning and watching and oh, yeah. it's gotten simpler. And that's the idea for us to make more time with our family. And even though it doesn't seem like that right now, because of course it's crunch time, yeah. right? So we're we're out all all the time so yeah it's but it's just a short window that's all we get is yeah. you said it we only get a short window here so after 10 days i'm done like there's i have to push really hard for 10 days and then we and then we are at the we're at the stage where we can just watch and observe and we're looking at now uh, like i said we are we participate in federal crop insurance and so we're in the position now where there are, will be some of the acres that are prevent planted. And now with prevent plant, that is a huge opportunity for us to have oh. a regen year. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so we will put a broad spectrum mix out there or at least once, maybe yeah. twice and um, lean on that um for that and they've made that possible with crop insurance now and prevent planting that you can actually do that it didn't used to be that easy they'd want you to chemical fallow it yeah. which nobody wants to spray it three times during the season and we want to keep the microbial community fed and if we're running out of days to 
put a crop in, at least we can still feed the soil microbiome. So those that may or may not need to be an option going forward. We'll see uh, if the rain continues. We'll never complain about rain ever. My Kansas friends and Oklahoma friends and Texas friends, we will never complain about moisture. Um, but it is proving challenging to get in the field. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I just love your, your attitude. I love, um, I love everything that you're doing there, your diversity. Uh, you're definitely applying the principles of soil health. It, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a huge success. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I, you know, hopefully we can push your IMOS here for you a little bit. Uh, I will be getting a kit. Don't worry. You, you can be looking for my name on there. I will be getting, I may be calling you to, Hey, yes, I did watch the videos, but I still got a question. So, um, but you know, I want to make sure, I guess the, I'd be like anybody else. I want to make sure I'm pulling these samples from the proper spots, you know? until I kind of get that feel for, for what you're really looking for. Yeah, for sure. And like that's, we put the video series together in the winter, right there. We were buried under, you know, insulated under three feet of snow. So we explained what to do, but now since when we borrowed the um, indigenous microorganisms this spring, we brought the, the, um, the, camera with and recorded exactly how we borrowed and where we borrowed um to show exactly what we're okay. looking for okay um and it, and we've tried to make it so um people can have some confidence in knowing where they're going and what they're looking for and um kelly says that like we're just leaning on our senses right we're going to calibrate our instruments, right? Our eyes, our ears, our nose. You're going to pay attention to how stuff smells, pay attention to how stuff looks, pay attention to how the area sounds, right? Because a thriving system has lots of sounds. Um, and when you put your shovel into the soil, we're talking three or four inches down, Rick. That's all the further we go. And when you put that spade in the ground, you can hear the roots, you can hear the mass, you can see, hear everything that's growing there, pay attention. Oh, and yeah. we you just need more observation. Yep. Yeah. And then, and we do that too. We, the root, um, the, hold on one second here. Um, okay. So, um, I'm being encouraged to talk a little bit about, um, um, some, um, Nutrient density that, that density. Reaver had on his hard uh, red spring wheat. Yes. So I'm going to see if I can share this. Will it let me share this? I think um, I think you have the permission to do that. Let me try here. Um, bear with me here. While you're doing that, yes. uh, I'm going to read what Casey's got here. Um, Rick, earlier you had mentioned putting the biology in furrow. I wonder if strip till uh, could be a good way of putting on microbes, humates, etc. I think we could also plant certain varieties of cover crops in strips where uh, I lost that. We'll come back to the chat in just a minute. Yeah, let's see this nutrient. Density. Oh, sorry. I, I, I put it up there as you're trying to read. That's I okay. No, no worries. No worries. So, um, this was... Uh... 
the hybrid spring wheat nutrient density with full fertilizer versus zero fertility. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Deanna, does zero fertility mean IMOS then here? I believe it does. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And also zero fertility, right? right. So no added amendments of right. any sort. And so those are the differences in the numbers. Um, and you, I can't see those very good. Can you tell me what the square is on the full fertilizer? Yeah, what, what are we seeing in that red square? Um, the sodium percent um, on the dry basis is 0 0.04. Um, oh, those are just, oh, hold on. And then, okay, so the difference is, okay, so the crude, pro, the crude protein Mm -hmm. um, without fertility is 14.5 versus with fertility is 14. Okay. Uh, we're at calcium levels um, without fertility is 0.09 versus 0.08. Okay. Phosphorus 0.51 with added fertility 0.50 without. Hmm. It looks like we have um, potassium here 0.53 without. Um, so with IMOS 0.53. And potassium with full full uh, fertilizer is 0. 0.46. Wow. So zinc, this is this is probably a pretty significant number as zinc is really important in our human microbiome for um, immune bo boosting, right? And so I assume that it would be similar in plants and soil. So the zinc in for the fer fertilized um, test it was 48. And the zinc in IMOS is 55. Wow. And manganese, 61 with fertility and 72 with IMOS. And copper, we have 5.9 with fertility and 6.7 with IMOS. So the numbers, um, Except for, with the exception of molybdium, molybdium, yeah, molybdium are higher with IMOS than with fertility as That's far awesome. as nutrient density. That's so, awesome. yeah, thank you, Rick, um, for sending me that. Yeah. And Julia for mentioning it. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and see, that's what people talk about. You know, do you have more nutrient density in these systems? Well, there's the proof. Yes. Yes. Rick Beaver does. Well, well and and he knows that um, we aren't big on testing, right? Um, yeah. yeah. For standardizing testing. Um, so he has taken the steps to test it. And it, he jokes and says he's starting a GoFundMe page for all of his testing that he's running on. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> That's right. No, I was like, yes, community-supported agriculture. Let's I, do it. Can I steal that idea? I like that. Well, right? They're expensive, right? Oh, and my so, gosh. I, yeah. ran some tests, uh, I ran some tests this spring that I really wanted to get down to the, to the nitty-gritty on something, and it, it was just about $5,000. And, you know, but I, I found out a lot of information, so it's okay. It's okay. okay. Um, Casey's saying, uh, to continue on, you know, I wonder if strip toe could be a good way of putting on microbes, humates. I think so. Uh, I think we could also plant certain varieties of cover crops from strips where cash crops will be planted and other varieties between the rows. Yep. I think that's a great idea. Uh, then treat the strip like you would in organic with tillage and in between that strip with the crimper. 
I started my first trial of rolled rye this year in soybeans using biology from a company in Illinois, uh, AgriBio. Yep, I know who they are. Uh, couldn't be more excited. That's that's great. Well, maybe now, Casey, you can add IMOS to your uh, toolbox of artillery. And uh, I mean, folks, th th this is so it's it's very inexpensive. It's very simple. It sounds. I mean, I know we're probably oversimplifying here. But um, I, I am to an extent, but really it's, it's I mean, that easy, right? So Deanna, in two weeks, when you start to go get your first soil sample, you've got something to do in, in within two weeks, right? Yeah. You can be yeah. applied. Yep. And it actually, you don't have to feed your IMO for 10 days. We've just seen the most fungal growth happen at 10 days. You can yeah. go sooner uh, because in, in the um, solution, we don't get fungal repopulating, right? There's not, it's not repopulating fungus, um, no. but it is growing it. So they get larger, but we can't, we're not actually growing more. Okay. It's not okay. multiplying it like it does the bacteria, the yeast or the algae. Um, and so it's just, it's just huh. a little bit, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'm capable, I'm capable but it had to be simple enough that I could do it by myself or I wasn't doing it. Yeah, I understand. It is, it is that easy. So and now that we put kits together, um, I got to, I got to put, um, utilize these kits that we put together and I didn't have to measure any of the ingredients. I was like, yes, this is speeding it up exponentially. Like it was already easy and now it's super easy and it's even easier for me. Like so, um, like we took Rick's suggestion and made kits. And yeah. the reason that we sell the three kits, um, three batches of IMOS in a kit is because he asked for three kits. And so mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where it just kind of trickled down and that's how it landed. So, well, I can think where I'm going to pull some of the first samples from is where my dad lives. Uh, it's been a, a pasture slash woody area but now cattle have been on this grazing is that okay to pull um, okay so we don't um we haven't been pulling from um anywhere where livestock have been okay. Okay. right because we're not looking for any outside influence right okay. we're looking for native areas um without domestic livestock and so even when i'm pulling samples i don't pull i don't pull it with the rabbit poop on it Right. I don't pull it with the moose poop on it. I pull next to it or away from it or whatever. Um, no. So I'm not trying to influence it in any way by the manure, which it totally could. And it could be mm. good or bad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Lauren Steinlog and I talk about this a lot. He He's allergic to cattle, so he, he can't have cattle. But he says, Rick, I've got all kinds of livestock on my farm. Like you just meant moose. Rabbit. He's got all these deer. He's got, oh, we don't have moose in Iowa or, or Indiana, but there's a lot of natural livestock that's running around with four hooves on, on these fields. If you just right. give them the domain to, to have. It's the whole field of dreams thing, right? If you build it, they will come. And that's yeah. really what's happened. We've watched the whole population come back. And like, for instance, our, our um, white-tailed deer population we used to when we were on full full on agronomy. So most everything has been eliminated except for the herbicide pass, right? So that that's down 80% from yeah. where it used to be. But 
we've watched the white-tailed deer population go from falls where we had open does with no fawns in the spring to now having triplets and twins. And so the fertility rates are increasing in the native, in the, in the native um, livestock. And so if our growing practices can have that much of an impact on the native livestock, then think about the food that we're growing and how that can impact impact, um, human fertility. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. It's all connected. And I fully believe that um, human health is reliant upon soil health. And so we need to do a better job of um, making sure that we're doing what we can for the soil health first. Sure. I'm all, I'm all, that's what I, I know you are. I know you're all in with it. So it's, I'm preaching to the choir with you. Well, no, but we need to know what you're doing and, and you're on it. So, um, you know, I want to respect your time. Kelly needs you. He probably needs another batch of Imos made. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that for the day. I think I am going to go out and seed some spelt. It's still beautiful sun coming in. So it's, and it's still warm. So I think I am going to go seed some spelt because every half a day we get on it is better than not. So, yeah. yeah. So we're going to let you go. Uh, Deanna, thank you so much. And Kelly, I'm sorry you couldn't be on. Uh, we'll try to do it again some other time when you both can be on because you guys sound like you're a beautiful team work together. And I also love Deanna that you're bringing your children in. This is important. You got to make this, you know, make this a family affair and, 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 and everyone. And you know that better than anyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this podcast. And thank you very much. You're welcome. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Have a great, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.